Welcome to season four, episode eight. Of Where's the I, energy? <laughs> we started recording I, this 20 minutes earlier and Kobe just is not here yet. I started, just, uh, Kobe. Mark was here. I started choking on the mm. seeds in our smoothies that we get. That was an Eeyore level introduction. Eeyore's my dude though. Yeah, Eeyore's a homie. Yeah, but. come on. You're just bullying me now. Well, Eeyore, you can't yeah. bully Eeyore. That's the worst. Well, I wouldn't bully Eeyore, He's but just I would bully Eeyore wouldn't make a good podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, God. I actually Hello. thought I was going to joke okay. here. Yeah. Mark did not offer to give me Heimlich or help out. My, my suggestion day, was that smoothie that's making you choke from too many yeah. seeds, try and wash the seeds down with more of the smoothie. <laughs> Probably See, not the best advice. It's still full here. I'm going to give it another shot. But if I yeah. if I die right now, Azale, give my reports and honors for I me. I will. I okay. will. I'll report the smoothie for you if <laughs> thank you die. You, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, as, as much as we're all friends, you know, Kobe dies choking on this on the smoothie. <laughs> Mark moves up the totem pole. I get the middle seat. He's, we bring in someone new. Exactly. Says, hey, guys, send your submissions. Yeah, That's exactly. why he was like, oh, I keep drinking the seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, like, knock each other out yeah. of your throat. He's yeah. still, he still knows he's one man away from Jad. He's got to get some buffer in there. You know, get someone new in so that that's the person. That he- <laughs> I'm just trying to take everything. I'll be on this or that soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got to take over everything Jad did. Uh, well, speaking of... Moving over content. MSI <laughs> announcement Ooh, has been moved nice. over. Hey, you like that? Oh, by the way, season four, episode eight of The Dive. <laughs> there, there you go. I like how you give a little jump out of your seat. Too. Yeah, thank you. Pop up. Little, um, MSI has moved. I mean, it's not really a big surprise, though, right? With yeah. uh, you know coronavirus taking over the world, basically. Um they are postponing it to July for now. Um, there'll be updates. It's it is going to be weird, right? Having MSI so close to Worlds, it's going to be in summer, and then um, you'll have Worlds shortly after. But honestly, you can't have an event, uh, you know, before then. Right now, so everything around the world's getting canceled right now. Yeah, because you really can't risk it. There, yeah. there are some things that are clearly just way bigger than League of Legends. I mean, yeah. you know, from from what I've been hearing, the Olympics is is likely to get canceled you know all kinds of, of sporting events concerts everything is getting canceled you know in italy uh, i read something like 16 million people are in quarantine obviously there's you know, massive quarantines in certain areas in asia so it's it's obviously just at a certain point where you can't risk it you can't risk the player's health you can't risk the you know the staff and the production side's health and you can't risk the fans health you know to have all this gathering uh you know in one place so many people so hopefully with the delay, you know, fingers crossed that that things are in a much better spot and it can be run as like a normal event. You know, I don't know what it'll look like if if coronavirus is still a big issue and and that it, timeline is is kind of coming up. Then there's nowhere else really to move it to, right? So the next step, my guess is, I'm not involved in this process, but would be would have to be canceling it because Worlds would be shortly after. There would be nowhere else to bump it to. So hopefully things improve. Hopefully we can still have the tournament, but. At least fans uh, I've seen be pretty understanding with the announcement of of you know the LEC finals moving being moved back to Berlin and things like this because it is just so much bigger than than esports. Yeah, and if you want to try and put a positive spin on it, at least um, <clears throat> hopefully there's a better lead up time for some of the leagues and and stuff. Yeah, if it's in July versus what was it before May? Uh, I think. Uh, where like LPL hadn't been playing, um, and there's already going to be this sort of asterisk on the tournament, anyways. I think for for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, well, LPL they didn't even play for three months beforehand. So, hopefully, if if you can try and look at this in a positive light, it'll be a more fair tournament when it does happen. Hopefully, yeah, that, that's about it. <laughs> that's as best I can do. Yeah, 
<clears throat> and we'll have uh, more updates as the you know situation changes as well. All right, I am <clears throat> just right out of the gate of reporting the smoothie. I, I wasn't planning on this. I didn't write it down. I have another report, but okay. Can I have your other report? Because I don't have another one. Uh, okay, yeah, you can have my other one. Okay. Uh, my other one was going to be for all of Aika's teammates and uh, everyone from EU that has called him Aika for years. Okay, to, I, I'll, I'll, I'll to... take it from here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> go. Okay, as broadcasters, <laughs> we just use, you know, what other people tell us is the correct name. And what has happened with a number of players We're mindless years. sheeple. We're not mindless sheeple. This is what everyone's calling them. <laughs> And this person has never corrected them in the eight years. And then we always get these like one interviews where we're like, hey, how do you say your name, by the way? And then they say something different than what was been said for those eight years or whatever. And then we're like, wait, what do we call you? And then we start asking people around them and we're like, hey, what do you call your teammate? And yeah. they say, we call him Ika. Yeah. And then we go, okay, that's what it is. And it's like, no, it's Ika. And then we speak for a living, and it's hard to rewire your brain after you've been saying it for six months or whatever. Yeah. yeah this was, It was kind of a report where I'm like, okay, it is on me. Like, I should be able to switch no, over. No, I accept no responsibility. But, but I was, it's also, you know, all right, I played bad. I lost my team the game. But I'm still rage reporting this guy for yeah. tilting my ass. Yeah. So I was still dropping. I mean, I even asked Zabujin, and Zabujin's like, yeah, it's Ika. Yeah. And Zabujin's known him for he's, years, and he's, he's also friends. He's known for years. He's friends. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So I'm like, it's not it's not like an accent thing or something. Yeah. And some players uh, just straight up change their like Uzi to Uzi I for a little bit or yeah. whatever it was. Well, and sometimes it's also he was like flip flopping around. The person who is telling you, you know, when especially at international tournaments, people don't all speak the same language. Mm -hmm. People have uh, sometimes heavy accents, right? So someone telling you what someone else said their name is through the lens of a heavy accent can sometimes be confusing, right? And and that, you know, and language barrier can sometimes come into it. Here, that's clearly not the case. Yeah. But we all thought it was Ika. Everyone calls him Ika. His teammates call him Ika. His coach calls him Ika. But it's Ika. And we're changing it to, well, he's, he it never changed, actually. It was always Ika. It was we, always yeah. wrong, but we're out here to correct it. Yeah. Good report, Aka. Mark. Good Thanks, report. Dude, It took me a long Good time. Good job, Mark. Yeah, I'm really proud of you for coming up with that. What do you, you got? Uh, I am going to report TL and TSM for making it impossible to power rank these teams. <laughs> they're both having, you know, TL has this one death weekend where they're popping off with tactical, and you're like, God damn, they must have got it all together in practice and double the rebuy stocks, right? Yeah, no, time to rebuy. No, don't talk <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> I like how we're all in this together the whole season. Yeah, yeah. terrible oh, crisis. But you, you think, all right, finally, they're here. They have arrived. And then they lose the CLG. They look like absolute trash. And the TSM, they're on the on the flip side of it, you know. We're thinking, okay, this is a great team. They're going to be challenging Cloud9. Then they start chain losing. They lose to CLG last week. And you're like, but what if they're ass? And, and then they come in this weekend. They Take beat Cloud9, beat FlyQuest. Make yourselves easier to power rank. What well, are you what guys doing? Not okay. ass. <laughs> they what if they're really good? Two teams. <laughs> I like how you're flaming teams for being good. <laughs> Damn it, TSM. Stop being good. You're confusing me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel that one, especially since I got my C9 stocks ripped away this weekend. I had I had one that I loved that you didn't know that, by the way. Yeah, no one told me. Oh, so I'd heard I'd heard it from a few different people, so I, I well, we kept so. it intentionally. Oh, see, no, wait. no one told me that it was a secret from Mark. So oh, you so could have spoiled it. I totally could have spoiled it. I just assumed that he was told early on, like I was. So it was just pure luck 
that we hadn't talked about this because I would have been like, ha, didn't get your stocks down. You know, be like, what? There were a couple of things where if I was paying, it was like foreshadowed if I was paying attention. It was some good mm-hmm. plotting oh, okay. by the author. Looking yeah. back, it's yeah. way easier to see all the foreshadowing. Yeah, where someone yeah. said something where it's like, yeah, that you only have this many, like this stock. So I said, all in on Team Liquid. And I thought I was going to have like 16. And yeah. it was like, yeah, you have like eight or something. I was like, Oh, maybe they're just like non-transferable. Yeah, stock. yeah. I was you like, maybe they're non-transferable. <laughs> like, I was like, whatever. And there's like a couple of things like that or something <laughs> that were like in the week that. <laughs> yeah, there was this other small plot thing twist. You don't have them at all. <laughs> other small little hint where someone said, "Mark, they're not real. You don't have them, Mark." <laughs> yeah, really but subtle, subtle, very subtle. You know, it would have been hard to actually get. Uh, I'm gonna honor. Mark Z over here for his uh, Leandries Morello's math, you know, actually taking the time oh to boy. to kind of do some math on that, and obviously uh, the stats team helping you out too. I just think it's 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 good to have some actual some numbers on it, and I know that the debate is kind of raging on, and and that there's there's also discussion on like where where the argument should be and what the discussion original discussion was. I, I don't really care that much about all that stuff. I just think it's it's good to see. Uh, you know, something that is supported by numbers and has clear examples alongside them. So people can use this whether or not they're involved in the other discussion. Like, I don't really care about that stuff. Just you can watch the video if you're interested and see, oh, okay, this is a situation where one item would be good. This is a situation where another item would be good. And then kind of use your own common sense to figure out which would be good in your own games. Which right. I think is just helpful for people. One of the big things with, I, I would say Leandry's probably has the most gray area of any item in the game mm-hmm. because... You go, oh, it's stacking damage on madness. There's burn damage. That gets reapplied on extra ticks of spell damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, your combo comes out at different points. So, like, it might start at zero stacks, then go to one stack, then go to two. And over the course of that, like, that's ramping. Uh, there's was the target CC'd. You know, if you start getting into, like, the nitty-gritty breakpoints, it's like every second their CC'd is 1% extra burn of their HP bar. Um, and like every ramping second is an extra two percent of and your combo, and it's, yeah. And so like high health targets will benefit more from the burn. And at some point, like the only way you're gonna get the actual number is like if you could get into the game and have it like spit out the number. And yeah. but like doing it by hand, you're always gonna have this gray area. And I just I tried to take as much of that into account, even if. And I was talking to someone last night on Hotline League, uh, where they're like, in one of the examples, you didn't calculate the the health of burn increase from a stun target and i was like well i i did i just didn't say in the video he has 1400 hp you're getting one percent extra burn because it goes from 4.5 over three to 7.5 over three so it goes from 1.5 per second to 2.5 per second i start mm-hmm. getting into this and i'm like it was like nine damage that i didn't calculate in and i have like these buckets built and so mm-hmm. i was like it didn't it wasn't enough to move it up a bucket mm-hmm. and it's like i did take it into account but like how do you represent that you know, because there's no way to like, it's hard to build a, a realistic thing. So yeah. I, I tried my best. And I, I think you, if you want to really get into nitty gritty, there's some points where you're like, ooh, you maybe underestimated this. But a lot of those were approximations. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a loaded honor because there's a lot packed into, uh, you know, that video and yeah, all these yeah. situations. Um, I think a, a lot of people are focusing really heavy on trying to be perfectly correct in all scenarios or even like the even the majority of scenarios which um i don't think should be a takeaway with a lot of a lot of these item discussions um there are situations for a lot of different purchases right totally um and i think that especially for most players you should be looking at 
um, just classifying the strengths of each of these items and then trying to situationally figure out uh, what should I get in this position, right? If if you have a lot of long range and poke and there's CC on your team, Leangis is going to be great, you know, for the burn and for uh, applying this to multiple targets without fully committing. If you're looking for full 100% burst, flat penetration uh, into death cap and stuff like that uh, is going to go a long way. So, um yeah, I think like even in the the CLG game that happened this weekend, Poe Belter was on Syndra, built a Leandries, the enemy team has an Orn, you have a Trundle. And, you know, <laughs> what's optimal there, Kobe? The tr the Orn has one, like 200-something MR, but then it gets shredded by the Trundle, and then he has a high HP pool, and, like, does anyone actually know, you know, what what which item is optimal there? Like, the pro can't do the math of that situation on the fly, and so if I spend five hours playing or doing this math i could tell you but like the pro at that time is just like well i'm hitting orn the most so i build a leandries and like i might go in there and then find later ha ha you should have done this but like yeah to your point the pro is just covering what he thinks is the most common situation he's going to face in that game and i'd say general psa don't buy stuff that you're not going to use. And that is applicable to your regular life azale as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, it, it, but what if it makes me feel good? Well, then I say buy it, actually. Okay. You so, go. you know, if there's no healing on the enemy team, um, but, you know, Grievous Wounds makes you feel good, then yeah. go ahead and buy you some Grievous Wounds right. because treat yourself. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. You're worth <laughs> it. All right, what's you guys' honors? Uh, my honor is L.A. Parking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this morning I woke up and there was a tow truck in front of my car. Uh, apparently I did not pay off my parking tickets fast enough. How long was not fast enough, by the way? Because I feel like sometimes I've waited so, like a month or two. It's, it's, as far as I can tell, a bit of a combination of how long and how many. Uh, what did you have? Let's not get specific. Let's not get muddled down in the details. It's like, well, I mean, it's only been 14 years. I have 37 tickets. It, it's always funny because you get the story through Mark's perspective in the morning. He's like, you know, I was a little bit late on, you know, kind of lazy on paying off some of my parking tickets. We we do some investigating. It turns out there's $400,000 worth of tickets. Mark is just a hardened parking criminal. <laughs> That's true. I'm like, <laughs> ah, it's in the red a little bit. We'll see what happens. I live life on the edge. Uh, well, apparently I shouldn't have been doing that so much. Uh, or just paying them off when I get them. Uh, I'm so, so curious how much the total I'll tell you. Was. I'll tell you off air. <laughs> okay. Uh, so either way, uh, you know, the guys there, and they hadn't started jacking my car up yet. So I must have gotten there like right when the tow truck arrived. Yeah. And so they're both just standing around. I was like, hey. You towing that car? And they're like, yep. And I was like, that's my car. <laughs> and I was like, is there anything I can do? And like, we just had, like, they're really nice. I uh, wish they would have just been, whoa, that sucks for you, buddy. <laughs> I feel like if my car was beginning to, like, if they actually had it, like, oh, yeah. loaded up on the machine, yeah. I'd probably be doomed, but I got there just in time. That's and, cool. And they were like, the guy, they were all really nice. I was, he was like, yeah, if you can pay it right now somehow, you can call, you can do this. I was like, let me get my phone out. And I started doing it online. And I was like, here's the receipt. And then he checked on his phone to see that, like, it got updated. And he's like, yep, it's all gone. And then the, the, they were like, we have to ask the tow truck guy because it's ultimately like him who came out and they get paid by technically me who's getting fronted by the city. Because mm -hmm. uh, okay. they, were, they were just talking. Like at per this point. car that gets. Yeah. So basically. like the city calls towing companies. Yeah. I get charged. But in the meantime, you know, they're kind of like fronting the bill. Because yeah, so, you have to pay to get your car back. So during this time, they're like, by the way, your tire pressure is low. And the, the tow truck guy starts filling up my tire pressure. We're all just standing around my car talking about like, 
parking fines and this, how this stuff works. This is works. like a sitcom. No, yeah. I, I was saying this, this is actually so crazy to me that it worked out this easily for you. I have never had any luck with the bureaucracy or the court system I, growing up. Like it is always convoluted and they will not let I somehow pass. have great luck with police and parking enforcement and these kinds of things. So there's like, I, I have a couple stories where I'm like, ah, oh, that guy was totally uncompassionate. was just like down to the letter of the law saying, screw you and whatever. But a lot of times I have interactions like this where I'm like, I'm really, I, I think the thing is you just have to be like, I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of are just like, I'm an idiot, I'm really sorry, I'm stupid, what ha- what can I do? Is there anything I can do? Usually I feel like they're they're, they're like <laughs> not jerks. You know, uh, did you guys either watch uh, The Chappelle Show? It yeah. reminds me of one where uh, he has this joke and it's just a guy driving down and he's like, I'm sorry, officer. I didn't know I couldn't do that. And he like oh, pulls him over yeah. for like drinking and like having guns <laughs> yeah. in the car and stuff yeah. like that. And then he looks over at Dave and he's like, it's funny because I did know I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this sober. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the officer was like, did you know you had this many parking tickets? And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I knew I, I had a couple, but I didn't know it was that bad. Uh, I mean, I didn't know it was that bad, to be fair. Right? But I knew I had some parking tickets outstanding. Uh, I'm just so curious about the. I, anyway, you can tell me more later. Yeah. Anyway, so I just want to give him a shout out to you know I got to drive my car here on full tires. Are you guys, homie, now. No, I, no? I didn't. No <laughs> names. I didn't catch their names because you to add them on uh, Facebook, Instagram. I have a LinkedIn. Yeah. No. Anyway, shout out L.A. Maybe parking and whatever tow truck company is in a uh, Culver. Mm-hmm. There you go. They do things differently here in L.A. Or maybe it's just because we're in the future now. But City of Oakland never gave me any breaks. <laughs> uh, my honor um, was for... Oh, it was for Broken Blade. Um, he was a close runner-up for Player of the Week. Mm. TSM, uh, Azale, is talking about how they're just throwing out the predictions at the windows. They beat the top two teams. Bjergsen, I think, deserved uh, Player of the Week. Because only really him and Jensen can play Zillion, I think, to have that sort of effect where you can actually take down Cloud9 and play it that well. Um, Plus his Aurelia game, he had that extremely well-played team fight. But Broken Blade did so much work on set, setting up uh, all these fights for TSM. And their team had to put so much work in to beat the top two teams. Mm -hmm. So honor for him as well. I don't know if it's more prestigious to get a statue and player of the week or an honor on yeah, the drive. Yeah. It's debatable. It's really it's, it's not. I don't want Kobe uh, words. I want that statue. <laughs> He's the Kobe best set in the statue. league, though. I think that's what I was huh? gonna say. That was the best set play I've seen for sure. He he had so many good ultimates to to set himself up for face breakers, which was I think the the key part of so many of their team fights. And he was comboing really well with Biofrost too, uh, especially I think it was a Rakan game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and even just Cloud flashing in for a lot of them too. He was he was playing really really well, so definitely impressed there. Uh, Ten point five. It's been out for a bit, but it's coming to pro play this next weekend. Uh, you know, maybe we can just touch on a couple quick things. For me, when when I was reading the patch notes here, and I'm like, okay, this is the one where they're trying to make top lane better, and mm-hmm. so they're buffing some items, and they're also making you know turret plates worth more, and you know kind of range champions and multiple champions don't do as much damage to the turret and top lane, but like solo guys can do you know more, mm-hmm. make more gold. So what my initial thought process was is like, all right, who kills turret plates fast and uses the items that got buffed, and I'm like. 
Fiora. I'm in there. So I, I've been playing some Fiora because, you know, roughing, rushing Ravenous, pretty mm-hmm. standard. And like the the active radius got buffed on on Ravenous Hydra, got six percent more life steal, um, and you know get back to one hundred sixty gold per plate. Plus, Fiora just crushes turrets because your Q works on turrets and your E uh, reset plus the E crit. So I was I was playing some of that. Fiora's win rate has gone up and feels incredibly strong. Um, I'm not sure, you know, like the, the Blade of the Rune King thing was kind of interesting to me because it's it's a big buff on on the current health. It's like 4% more current yep. health damage for melee champions. But I was trying to think like what melee champions really want to build it. Renekton. Renekton is what I Im- immediately thought of. And I was like, have you ever seen a Bork uh, mm-hmm. Empower W from Renekton? Oh, true. Triple hit. Because... Yeah. It annihilates people. So, and, and he can even build both of those if you want to. If you yeah. want to go a build that's like the the please don't build grievous wounds on me build, <laughs> just get both ravenous and bork. I, I was I was also thinking because Jax hasn't built bork for a long time, but people used to go triforce bork, right? That was kind of the standard, and then it moved away from that more into like the tanky builds and cooldown reduction. Yeah, because cooldown reduction's uh, so effective for him. Yeah, for sure. But like I think you know I know uh, TF Blade does like the black cleaver plus triforce, but I think still most people I see just do like Tiamat, triforce and then like sterics and stuff, right? Um, but it but it is interesting. It's it's just that Tiamat is so important on so many top laners, and if you're building Tiamat plus another core item. Them, then getting Bork in there too feels difficult because I feel like you know if you're building team out that kind of takes up the same like item slot as as what you would be going for the Bork in. But it is it is interesting just trying to think about like who would who would make the most out of these. Yeah, I mean most top laners, even the carry ones, at some point need to start building defenses and resists. Like yeah. Jax will go Triforce and Sterix and so, and then like usually like the last couple of times you're like you need to talk to Captain Flowers more. <laughs> in pro, in, in, in ah. pro play, a lot of the times the build paths on things start going more defensive for the yep. third and fourth item. So to your point, like it does feel like you have like your first item and a half or two items can be damaged. It's but, your luxury item, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe it just starts taking some other places. Like if the damage is that strong on melee, that you're like, well, I'll take a little bit worse late wave clear on Tiamat. Yeah, and stuff. <laughs> I just imagine Mark coming up over my shoulder and being like, uh, "Your first two items can be damage <laughs> items, but you, you can only have two. And I'm like, "Mark, <laughs> please." Then you gotta eat your vegetables and build a Randuin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing um, I immediately thought of was my priority on Rift Trail went through the roof okay. uh, after this patch because, all right, what can kill turret plates well? Is there well? Riftdale can kill him really well. True, true. <laughs> Guaranteed gets two of them. And I'm always just updating and, and reevaluating like my different priorities on all the neutral camps and neutral <laughs> monsters and uh, lanes to gank and stuff. And uh, Riftdale has shot through the roof. So it's actually been super successful for me to just in solo queue, ignoring a lot of the early dragons, rushing Rift Trails, rushing, uh, actually returning to top lane ganking. So <gasps> no. the desired swap, swap earlier. Desired, <laughs> swap <faster. laughs> in solo queue, nobody swaps. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, the desired effect, I guess, is is working on me uh, yeah. for the champ designers because I'm going top more because I want my money. Uh, I want to get paid. Um, and the other thing is I started playing ad warwick from parnelli x posted his guide on reddit i was watching he, you play a game of it I think. yeah he posted it was over an hour video it was like an hour and a half video oh on warwick um 
There was only one, literally one little tip out of it that I, that I got. That it was a really cool video. You watch an hour and you learn one thing. Because I mean, it was a cool video. Is, is this a, your way of nice flexing boys? your own brain? You're like, yeah, I watched an hour video from this, like <laughs> this really detailed, but I knew all of it already. So it, uh, Let's be honest, it, it Warwick the, isn't that complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny because it was like, oh yeah, in the outplays, and they almost all the outplays are just like you hold Q and you follow when, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when they're like doing some stun or something like that. Or you play really dangerously. You get low and try and you know make use of your passive and mm -hmm. bait people with your shield and your red smite. Yeah, exactly. So I took it one step further with the buffs, and I was like, "All right, I'm not gonna um, build Titanic Hydra anymore. Let's go with the please don't build Grievous Wounds against me build. Uh, playing Warwick, who has a bunch of healing already. Full AD Warwick, by the way. So I have to make use of my healing, or else I'm going to die. And then I also build Ravenous Hunt." Uh, ravenous uh, Hydra, yeah. um, because Parnelli started doing it. I saw okay. it in his solo queue as well, uh, and it's really fun to do. You can have like some YouTube moments where, oh, he got so low, we think we can kill him, and then you like one v three, a bunch of people out heal him and stuff. But uh, if it, it does feel real bad, I'm to build Blade of the Rune King. Yeah, that's on what, it for I, all that's the what I was gonna say. I thought yeah. you were about to say Bork for the on. So I have, yeah, I haven't gone that far. Okay, because you you basically get. Uh, Tiamat out of your starting build because you can start Rejuvied with Warwick. Yeah. And then you easily get it like a cheap Tiamat and then you upgrade that, you build yeah. Warrior. And I assume you want that for clear in the jungle yeah, exactly. too. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Tiamat's too good. It just pushes Bork out of out of melee champions. I've been petitioning for a Tiamat jungle item for a long time. And the feedback from everyone has always been that that would be too OP. But I'd rather have a warrior that is not just flat attack damage. It like builds out of Tiamat, you know, and you get a similar like efficiency upgrade for the jungle item. I don't think anyone's that's not a jungler is going to yeah. join my cause. Everyone's but... like, why would we do that? <laughs> and I'm like, because it's great for me. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is the item changes with Spectral, Sickle, and Spell Thieves. They're making it so ally has to be in range to get the benefit of... Um, the tributes and stuff, which is going to kill what's been happening a little bit. Kobe's got another seed. I like how you reported it and then kept drinking it. I think it's time to report yourself. Time to take some of that yeah. blame. I was, I was going to say that, but I'm very stubborn. <laughs> and I really like these smoothies. They, they are so delicious. good, but it hurts so bad. <laughs> uh, I thought it was just a one-time thing. I'm, I'm going to throw it away. All right, it's good garbage. You got to skip control yourself. Recipe smoothie. Uh, so anyways, there's like top Jana that's been seeing play and stuff. And Jat and I were talking about this a little bit on the JLXP about water. You okay, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that we were like, okay, how much of these top supports and enchanters powers in this item versus just the fact that having an enchanter who's getting real gold influx in levels power. And we were kind of on this, uh, the same page that, like, this is a nice little thing to get extra wards and be able to play this play style. But um, those champions should still be viable. Uh, if you are someone who's doing top Janna, like, you can just not build this and support and still just CS normally. And then uh, it's it's not as good because the, the warding and all that stuff is a big benefit. But you're still going to get, we, we were basically like, yeah, the real thing is, getting Athenes and Ardent and all that stuff that makes it broken. So one thing I would say, just kind of as a counterpoint, and I think this is something that you guys are maybe overlooking, is 
that it's not always that easy to get all the farm as mm -hmm. some of these champions. So one of the things that I think actually makes like Janna Top, for example, really strong is that when Janna Top is playing with the Spell Thieves, it hardly even matters if you freeze on her because she doesn't have to actually CS. She just yeah. has to stand in range of experience, which is really easy to do as a ranged champion. So it's much more difficult to punish someone who doesn't need to actually access the minions for their gold, right? Like they just need to hit you from range with slows and disengages. And it's like, so that I think is actually a really big deal. Um, but where I would agree is there's some of the champions like, for example, uh, Zillion Top, is being played a lot in Korean Challenger. Like if you're watching TF Blade stream, you've probably seen you know him dealing with a lot of that stuff. And people are doing like you know everything from PTA to Glacial Augment, Nasher's rushes to Executioner's rushes, and like all these different things on Zillion. And it, it, you can be very effective with those Enchanters top. But I do still think this is a huge nerf because there's way more champions that can zone you off farm and punish you when you go for CS than champions that can just stop you from being in. Right, and you do need to adapt your playstyle. So we're talking about like. If you're building Doran's Ring, 2.Q and Janna will let you, if you do two of them on the wave, full clear the wave. And it's kind of hard to stop a Janna from just like pressing her tornado from like a thousand units away. And it's just like whoosh and it mm -hmm. clears the wave. So you do need to adapt your playstyle. It is, you can't, like in pro play, people will push you off your turret constantly, like you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but once you get those two items, which are relatively cheap items, you know, it's kind of like, well, we're good now. Yeah. This was my problem back when we had the old Klepto and. Huni was running. What? Frostfang, Klepto. Yeah, Zillion. Frostfang, Klepto, uh, Zillion, like some of th those types of things. Yeah. And you basically remove the part of the game that is laning for t for normal top laners and you don't have to CS. Yep. And you get to be like, ha ha, I just get to, you know, poke you over the, the course mm -hmm. of the lane and get a bunch of money. I really don't like those types of play styles because as much as, you know, you want uh, diversity and all these different ways to play the game, that seems a bit a bit too far yeah. and very frustrating for the person playing against you because they're just like, you don't have to do the homework that I have to do here. You're picking up minions and fighting over waves like normal. And that's what's hopefully going to happen with this change is like you can yeah. still play Janna top. It's a little worse, but now you have to actually CS, um, which is hopefully, you know, if this change is like worse, Jan and I are thinking that you can still play Janna top and it'll still be good. But yeah. You have to learn the last hit now. It'll be interesting. I yeah. think we won't see any Janna top in pro play. Period. With I think change. I think pro players are, are also a little bit just more like eh, the, I don't want to have to actually learn the laning. They they well, definitely are, but yeah. you also get punished way more heavily in pro because your team is more likely to play around it, right? So yeah. it's like in the tornado situation, you put a couple points Q, you tornado the wave once. If the person is holding the wave, then and standing in between you and 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 the wave, most of those minions will all get denied from your wave, mm -hmm. right? So you like the CS will actually just be going away before your tornadoes back up if the person is zoning you, and things like that I think are more likely to happen, like a perma freeze or they stack the wave and then push you off and you're low and like things like that. It's it's more exploitable. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's like Janna is more extreme because I think Janna's dueling power and stuff is is way worse. But yeah. like. Lulu and Zillion and some of these champions, I think, are actually a lot harder to prevent that stuff from. And maybe people actually just make the transition towards that. Because I yeah. do agree that enchanters uh, in general can be really good with gold. Yeah. I also, if you, when you reach out to these players, they don't want to play these champions. They're just like, <laughs> I'm playing it because it's 55% win rate. Yeah. It's not like, a, 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 it's almost a sigh of relief as soon as they do drop down. You're like, ah, oh, good. 
don't have to play the my CSD looks so bad now <laughs> it ruins their stats for the season one game on these champs stats have already been really messed up with you know Senna being yeah, yeah. an 80 carry and then all of a sudden oh this 80 carry's got plus 440 CS per yeah yeah it's definitely weird I, I'm I do like players who will pick this stuff up though because yeah, I mean, Jenna, before these nerfs, when I was looking at 10.4 win rates, it was 58% win rate or something like that, maybe even higher in Diamond. And like that is so far above what every other champion was that it's like <laughs> you're kind of trolling if you're not playing this and you're playing to win, right? Like if it has that good of a win rate, you should be playing I mean, it. it's so I do respect. Yeah. yeah, like I, I respect Wonder and, and some of the, the other players that are bringing it out and trying it because it's it's worth a shot. Right when it's that strong, even if it's going to get nerfed in the next patch, play what's strong. And I do think, as much as people kind of complain about the the fasting Senna and that sort of style, I think it's interesting to have, like, Senna is just being played as a support, and it's just giving us more non-standard bot laners, right? Like because the Rumble and the Volibear and the Taric and all these things that are farming, that's actually just like playing the bot lane spot, and it's just a ranged support right that is that's like really all that's happening there that's why i said like two episodes ago and you guys were like no sven's not the support he's the carry still still this is fasting senna is playing support senna and then you're just switching because that's the ad carry champion and you have your ad carry player on it you're, and you guys played me, and you refused to no, let this, me go through with it. This was something about, like, you're saying Vulcan was, uh, is, like, the bot laner now. Or, I don't know. It was something. I can't remember what it was. We were trying yeah, to figure out. I say because the Senna player is yeah. basically playing support Senna. And so that person I thought next it was to something to do with player, player of the Week and stuff or something like that. No, I, I, check the tapes. We got to check the tapes. I, yeah, I, I'm tapes. not flip-flopping. I'm saying <laughs> if you're the 80 carry and you pick Senna, and you're still doing all the AD carry things except CSing in the first 20 minutes of the game, I yeah. still say you're an AD carry. Yeah, the, the skill set is still the same. Yeah. But, but I, I do think and, I would like to see teams experiment more with this because like I've been playing some and, and people are doing mostly just playing like a melee support but just giving it farm. That's kind of the standard go-to. I played some Zyra Senna with the, the Senna support and me just playing a farming Zyra. I was like, this this is cheap. Like they can't even access the wave of getting poked out so much. There are some really strong mage plus Senna bot lanes that you can play that I would be excited to see people experiment with. I'd even be interested to see, you know, things like it probably wouldn't work as well because I think part of it is the souls help you really scale very well. But like I'd be interested to see like Ash with Spectral Sickle plus plus some of these uh, champions and things like that. It would be interesting to see it tried. Yeah, I mean this is this is the design intent with trying to get creative and design a support yeah. as a carry is a similar thing when they're like groundbreaking with pike oh we're gonna have an assassin as a support scion senna remember how you put bombs with zillion and you would mm-hmm. shout the minions into them you do it with with her e you should just either the front line the the root. yeah yeah and then uh in the meantime scion's just farming up and being that annoying <laughs> scion now it's not in top lane it's in bot lane there you go it's brilliant uh, I'll take my check, whoever, whichever pro team plays this. We have LCS coming up this weekend. TSM this past weekend took down Cloud9. First team to actually beat the undefeated Cloud9. How surprised were you guys? How much does this kind of this last weekend change your opinion both of, of Cloud9 and of TSM? Didn't change my opinion of Cloud9 pretty much at all, especially yeah. because yesterday, Monday Night League, they just returned to full <laughs> <They're laughing. laughs> Back to the old slap and uh, back to business as usual. Um, Blabber looked amazing on the Pantheon. They, 
Niski's roaming around as well. It's just, um, I, I think it was just a really well played game by TSM. So if mm -hmm. anything, it does change my mind about TSM. And we already talked earlier in the show about how we've been trying to pin down some teams to make our lives easier. But I do like that, you know, with all of the experimentation that's going on and teams, uh, you know, trying to find their style and their their way to get wins here as we close in on playoffs. It makes it really exciting ap approaching playoffs and having still a weekend where on on the first day we had literally all upsets in all of our games. So yeah. uh, it definitely makes it really exciting for me. And I am looking forward to see if TSM can actually find some consistency because they have been trying so much stuff. And... About half of that stuff has been failing, but then half of it looks really good. And Bjergsen talked a lot about confidence. And I think confidence is a really big theme for me for um, moving forward towards playoffs. He he had a really good interview with Ashley Kang. Um, we're just talking about playing against Cloud9, how other teams have approached it, and how um, if you play teams like that or like in his experience playing G2 or Fnatic or something like that, and you let them get away with 40... 60 plays that they shouldn't really be able to just walk in and ward with one person or do something dangerous and gain these small advantages that's how the really great teams also get this kind of pseudo free ride sometimes yeah. in their games and get a, a bit easier bonus because of the players that you're playing yeah FlyQuest talked about this in their loss to c9 Obviously, we were talking to wild turtle about it and he was like yeah i felt like we just got we're scared to fight them sometimes because mm -hmm. you know they would step forward and we would think they're being smarter than they are or something. And it's like, no, they're just trying to scrap us. And that's, that's what happened to the top lane in that TSM game over and over mm -hmm. again. Uh, the other thing, too, is I, we always keep talking about their drafts and how much we, at least for me, feel like their success is tied to um, what they're doing, regardless of whether it's a good draft or not. It's like practice on it. Um, and these games, they still were throwing wrinkles in, like the Aurelia mid in the... What are you laughing at? Why are you smiling? Just, just their success is tied to what they're doing. No, I'm I, gonna, like, I, I know what you meant. I'm gonna, I didn't say anything, Mark. I'm gonna, you brought this up. I'm going to honor Mark because Azale always calls me out for making faces <laughs> at him. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I, I'm just sitting here. Good job, Mark. Zale making faces down. I was, I, Shame him. Shame. I was just smiling, and I knew I was. That's smiling. what I felt yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, but like I think he was legit calling out, but I specifically wasn't saying anything because I knew it was a stupid point, and I was just laughing for no reason. And I'm like, ah, that's funny. And then Mark's like, what is? It? I'm like, it's something dumb. Spit it out. Hour derailed. Spit it out, Azale. <laughs> All right. So the point is, TSM has been doing wildly different drafts time and time again. Uh, these are a lot of very standard drafts like with one year old laughing at a poop joke or something. <laughs> one little wrinkle. Hell yeah. <laughs> from mid lane. Yeah. Yeah, wrinkling it up. Anyways, uh, Mark's point was really enhanced by the, by this edition. It was. I'm not really quite sure. We start the show 20 minutes earlier and it comes off the rails. <laughs> I'm dying the entire time. Yeah. It's, it's honestly my fault too. Eh? That's true. It's all Kobe's fault. I think okay. we can all agree. Um, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm on the same page as far as I think Cloud9 still looks super impressive. It didn't. The, the thing I liked about Cloud9's loss to TSM is it didn't feel like one of those games where you're like, oh, they just played like shit. You know what I mean? Like those don't feel as exciting when it's just like, oh, that's you, you yeah, you won, but like also they kind of you know, they kind of just gave it to you, you know? And Cloud9 played I think well. TSM I think drafted better in that game and also played better in that game, which is why it was so exciting. 
And I would say for, for me, TSM has really shown such high highs now that you clearly know they have the potential to challenge for a championship. And that's just going to come down to, can you actually replicate that level of play consistency? Like consistently, excuse me. Because Cloud9 clearly can replicate their level of play and week in, week out, they are slamming teams in 30 minutes. So, you know, if, if these two teams face off in a best of five, right now at least, I'm like, yeah, TSM at your best, you could take a game. But can you bring that same level? And can you bring that same kind of quality of draft five games in a row? Because that's what it would actually take to take out Cloud9 right now. Yeah, I honestly think this was a win-win situation, even for Cloud9, because they're first place anyway. Um... <laughs> You're making another face. <laughs> this was I'm innocent here. They're they're gonna be first place anyway, and uh, a couple of players said this in interviews afterwards, yeah. where they actually think that. It is really good if if you're going for the 18 and 0 to get a game like this where it's not a oh we just messed up brush off the loss really examine how you got beat because this was a clash between two very good teams playing very well against each other mm -hmm. and as the saying goes steel sharpens steel you need that to actually make our region better so I think it was a win for TSM for sure because yeah. they get confidence they beat the top two teams also a win for the league uh to have more contenders here making it exciting yeah and it was just a super exciting game beyond like ooh high level because you can have high level macro game where nothing's happening but this was like fight 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 everyone's nuts like yeah. we were popping off on the analyst desk just watching it so like if you haven't seen this game just go watch it because it was it was the best game of the split so far and I think a lot of people, you know, kind of detractors from the win. I saw a lot of people talking about the Shen pick and kind of criticizing the Shen pick. And I do agree that, like, in, in isolation, it's a poor pick if you're looking at that 1v1. I think very clearly the, the Cloud9 plan was to survive lane and make things happen elsewhere. And TSM were able to preempt that by constantly attacking that lane. And they're able to do that because they got ahead in mid lane and they're having pressure there and they're able to do these three-man plays on top side, right? And they're able to attack and shut down licorice in a way that i think other teams wouldn't have been able to so i do think that they deserve credit for that because if that lane is just licorice down 10 15 cs and nothing other than that and then all of a sudden he's ulting bot lane constantly and snowballing through there then the game looks incredibly different so i did think it was like a really good example of of how to attack and shut down globals in this game and especially when we have talia and pantheon coming out i think that's you know even more relevant right right i think it's it's also when people tend to look at a team's failed win condition and say, ah, it's bad, instead of imagining what happens when it works out well. Mm -hmm. Because I I mean, I'm not going to defend the Shen pick 100%, but like T9 has time and time again this season picked things with narrow win conditions, you could argue, and then succeeded and won on them. People go, wow, what a great draft. Camille Morgana is one that I bring up all the time yep. where it's like, if you lose that game and Niski like didn't pop off, you'd be like, what is this Morgana pick? Why is he on something more aggressive? Niski's so good at roaming. Why is he doing this? And then even the game that followed, yeah, they picked Talia Pantheon, which mm -hmm. was criticized for TSM, your too early game. And then they slammed just like TSM did in the early game, but then they actually closed it out. And I mean, the, the funny thing about that game is, I mean, they blasted Golden Guardians, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. right? That They did trash them and they were up, what, 15, 16K more by the end? Yeah, Maybe even 20K by 30 minutes? Like, I'm sure gold lead. Some of those fights were actually kind of close. These were not 
it, like the fight is admittedly in the base and whatnot of Golden <laughs> Guardians. Yeah. But Golden Guardians actually started killing a couple people off in these team fights down 15, 20,000 gold. So you can see how, you know, if you can't close cleanly with those types of comps, they can turn around just like it happened to TSM. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's it's always good to look at what was the intention behind the pick, uh, whether or not it worked out. Yeah, dive bot with Leona was the intention. Enemy mm -hmm. team outplayed it. Doesn't yeah. make it 100% a bad pick. Looking forward with Cloud9, they have locked that first place spot, and Blabber already immediately after the game is tweeting out, all right, what should I play next? So I'm excited to see them with some more unique picks, you know, mm -hmm. testing some, some things. Um, do you think that Cloud9 will ever go with a super scaling for a late style strategy? Because they've clearly got this down pat, right? Um, and I don't think that they should lose their way mm -hmm. um, deviating too much. Yes, you want to have more champions in your roster. You want to have more weapons that you can use. Um, but I think the general way they play the game, I love it. It's very exciting, very fast paced. And I feel like they should just find more things that work in that theme. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I wouldn't want to see them do a 180 and go like full hardcore scaling, but I also think that they they have had enough difference between their their games and their picks that it's what they're doing is fine. But I also have no problem with it's like if Licorice thinks this is a great game for Kale, you can still do Kale and have the other picks be proactive around it, right? And I think that as long as you're taking into consideration what the team comp looks like and not just like a isolated one v one or whatever for a pick, then there's there's totally room for scaling stuff and and obviously. They play a lot of scaling marksmen. We know Zven can play all that stuff. Uh, we know that you know Niski can bring out things like Cassio and, and Ori and, and those types of picks too, which obviously do scale really well. So uh, I I am happy to see them experiment, but I I hope that I actually hope that they don't do like four fun picks. I actually like <laughs> as much as it's it's like funny to watch for a moment. I if they're losing, I want to feel like the team beat them and not they kind of like threw it away because they're paying like Garen and, and stuff, right? Like as much as people are, are kind of joking about that, myself included. Uh, Garen's pretty broken right now, by <laughs> That's the true. Way. Garen is He's pretty broken. So good. I don't know about that example. My example of answering Blabber is a bad example because I answered Talon because I... Yeah. After, yeah, after my after my attempt for it, when you know yeah. they were like, "Oh, we're gonna buff the yeah. path damage for jungle monsters," I was like, "Maybe yeah. if I kite it really well." <laughs> back and no, that that would be hard troll. My answer would be like Sejuani, play Sejuani Blabber. He hasn't yeah. played it yet this split, and I think oh. we're talking about scaling and things like that. What happens in best of five sometimes is like they're only winning on this pick. Let's break that up somehow, but we don't have any slots to ban right and so you, yeah. you get into these situations where you, you have to draft it away and if you're playing late game team uh, uh, you want to be able to take their picks away in other ways and be practiced on them and so Sejuani is one that they haven't played yet mm -hmm. I want to see Blabber on some Sejuani you can still be proactive you still make things happen she has a lot of nice synergies with Aurelia's and Aatrox's and stuff so like go um branch out while still being in the meta because there's things they're not playing right now that are that are highly prioritized by other teams. Yeah, I like the the takeaway point there. Um, also, I was mentioning Garen because Garen is the only champion that hasn't been played in LCS, apparently. That was... Uh, Ever? Uh, by, by the stats team. Yeah, it's huh. apparently never been played in LCS and it's the only one. Wow. Pretty good... Uh, Garen Yumi, we didn't play it, huh? Pretty good solo lane. I guess not, not this year. I, that, we, that's this year, right? No, because... I'm gonna have to double check we, on this tweet, but I, I at least the way I read yeah, it yeah, was that timeline. it was the only one that had had never been played. Um, hmm. 
So maybe we just never played Gary and Yumi. There well, might... I'd have a hard time believing we played every other champ this split as well. Yeah, it would exactly. I, so it wouldn't. I remember Gary and Yumi though. Really in, in NA? NA? I don't think I don't think we ever played it. It was an EU thing. Let's let's find here. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about Liquid while Azale's looking that up mm -hmm. because yeah, Garen is the only champion that's never been never? picked in the LCS. It and then it says all right, Ramis, so now you have permission. Ramis, Shaco, okay. and Brand have never won in the LCS, but they've all gotten plays. Garen's never gotten a play. Brand's never won. Nope. And it He's says good for a period of time. And then Lolly Sports. Says, <laughs> I remember the Shaco play. All I'm saying is that Garen bot lane was the big thing, and four of the seven LCS brand games were played bot lane as well. So, <laughs> wow, there's seven brand games. It's zero and seven in the LCS. It was good for a little bit. Yeah. Does it say how many Shaco games? Because I only remember the Moon game. I got so hyped, and I was oh, ready yeah. to do that like a, was terrible. I was oh, ready yeah. to do a you whole day. I was gonna do a whole day on Shaco. <laughs> no, it doesn't say. It, it was a big flop. Doesn't say. Uh, all right, give it another shot. Shaco's good again. Um, Garen first. Just get him in the air. Yeah. Uh, Garen first for sure. That's do for all the, the picks record. at the same time that need to win. How many? There's four. There was like Ramis, Shaco, Brand, and then Garen had never played. So they could get. Yeah. Ramis, Shaco, Brand, Garen. Is trying to get a W with all, all right, them so at got once. Garen Yumi bot. You got, you know, Shaco jungle, Ramus top, and Brand mid lane. Easy. It's fun. It's, like a good it's team fun. Player. It's fun if both <laughs> if both teams do compositions that are not, you know, the strict pro uh pro picks like that, then it's fun, right? Yeah. If you both have these scattered, like, okay, so we're gonna try and collusion. get first timers. <laughs> But they both try really hard with flavor picks. Yeah. Then those are games are really fun to cast. True. Yeah. But you have to have both of them in. Yeah. The weird thing is their last games against TL, and that could be knocking them out of playoffs. Yeah. Good job, Mark. There's your TL transition. I set you up. There's yeah. the layup. Bum, bum, we've been trying to fast. we've been trying to get to TL for a while here. My laptop. Because, so I'm letting you guys go. Uh, Team well, Liquid. Mine? Nice excuse. That's okay. <laughs> Team Liquid. The wheels fell off. Uh, this last weekend, right? Um, it's been so up and down the entire season, and we should have expected it, I feel like, but just uh, the individual players' inconsistency. A lot of people are going to look at Doublelift coming back in, and as nice as it is to meme, oh my God, you know, Doublelift back, and Apollo gets a pentakill on them, and they just get trashed and uh, lose immediately. I, I'm looking at a lot of the other players, right? Core JJ... For a long time, MVP of the league, number one support forever. Uh, he's making big mistakes versus mm -hmm. Immortals. He's making mistakes that you also don't associate with this player because he always thinks so much about champion positionings, about his engagements, and yet in the river, when the enemy bottom lane is coming up for the Scuttle Crab, he engages with only Broxa next to him. And uh, you see Broxa actually walk back on Ovloff imagining his hands in the air like what's going on here as some of these moves for team liquid are just backfiring over and over so core jj is going down then impact it, the zach into renekton um yes i think you mentioned that they played it in solo queue and him and broxa had success or something like that yeah i saw someone say or maybe say it was mark yeah. um but he gets his passive pop, then teleports down to the bottom side, yeah. still engages after seeing the enemy teleport, and right onto a Gragas that can body slam him. And, and he's low health. And he's low health, and he has no passive. So a lot of mistakes from veteran players on this team that you can't necessarily pass the bill to Doublelift or to the members that are even changing on the roster. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Doublelift was absolutely fine in, in that game. It, it felt like... 
there was, to me, uh, some pretty big draft issues. And there was also, obviously, individual play issues. I am someone that, like, as you guys know, I, I almost always am trying to play devil's advocate for draft because I just hate the idea of, of people just, like, purely blaming draft. And I almost always will argue against it. Yes, like, draft to me is basically, like, putting putting weights on you, right? Like, you're, do- you're doing a 100-meter sprint. And every time you have a bad pick or a bad setup, it's like, you can still win the race if you're faster, but you got 50 pounds on your backpack and that's going to make it pretty hard, right? Mm-hmm. So like, that's how I see draft. You can outplay that. I could, Usain Bolt could probably be wearing a 200 pound backpack and still outrun me on meter sprint, right? Like, so that's still going to happen sometimes. But I feel like TL are putting the weights on big time in a lot of these drafts. You know, when I, when I look at this last pick, Zach, I'm trying to think about, okay, I, okay, you're thinking about the team fight and you're trying to survive the lane, but then you're picking it alongside Olaf, who like wants to have powerful lanes to play through. Olaf can't even challenge for the top scuttle because Renekton is roaming down. I don't think even with the Olaf, you're going to win the two v two against Gragas and Renekton. Uh, like the the Zach, you know, jump in is so easy to reject from body slam. So if Gragas is waiting in the bush, they don't want to go up there, so they didn't really even try, except like once or twice, kind of like a half hearted try where so I was just backed up. So, it, it, like, that draft I really didn't like. Um, you know, the last time Doublelift was in, I was thinking about, uh, let me actually, like, find this exact game, but it was it was this game where he was playing Ash, and, you know, they essentially only had this one form of engage, and they're playing against a poke-heavy team, and I will find this right here. It's, it was actually against EG, right? And it was where EG was playing uh, Zoe and stuff, I believe. Yeah, it was the Zoe-Ezreal game from EG with three frontliners, Orn, mm-hmm. Sejuani, and Braum. And they have... You know, Elise and then Ash and like, you know, Core JJ and Tom Kench. And it, it got to this point where it was like they need to try to find some way to force fights because they're just getting poked off of every dragon and they're only engaged as Ash. And there's three frontliners there. And it's just like never felt like it was going to work. And I feel like they're weighing themselves down so heavily in, in a lot of these drafts. And this is the first time I can remember in the last couple of years where I feel like Teal's just drafting so poorly. Like they are giving themselves. Of course you can win. You can win that game. You can win the Zach game where you survive and then just get to late game and out team fight them or something. But like, damn, I, I feel like they're going into every single game kind of handcuffed. Well, yeah, and I think you can even look at that game and look at how it started too. Aka just killed himself in front of Jensen. Yeah. Lost his flash. And his ignite after missing like all the farm. Yeah. I was like, wow, that looks so bad. Game over. <laughs> like just from a, if, if this is Immortals, what they're playing at right now, TL's going to win this game. Then TL did nothing the entire rest of the game except mm-hmm. take that like Ocean Drake basically and then lose fights. So yeah, the draft's not good. Play's not good. And that's why I'm really thinking that TL's missing playoffs. They have a really hard strength of schedule remaining. They have a, yeah, a decently so easy night. next week where they have EG and Golden Guardians. But then they have FlyQuest and C9 on week nine. And if they drop one game, they're going to finish nine and nine at best. Yeah. I and mean, then you can easily miss from there. Never mind, Golden Guardians already has the head to head over them. So they really need to beat Golden Guardians. Yeah. If you lose to C9, you're at nine and nine, depending on how the rest of the team shake out. You might not even get a chance. Yeah. Nine and nine isn't even guaranteed to make it, right? No. And that's, that's, that's assuming you can actually three one, which is, yeah. is even that's a large assumption. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy, and and of course, like the second part of it is the play, right? I'm not trying to pin everything on yeah, draft, and we talked earlier uh, a lot about some of the mistakes that they had made. I, I also felt like, you know, Broxa was so inactive in some of these games where you know you're playing the Olaf, and even if the the lane setups aren't there, it's like 
if you're going to be zero 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 on Olaf late in the game and and kind of just farming and it doesn't feel like that is the way to succeed. You know, you ha you have to be able willing to take some risks mm -hmm. and take some fights to try to get an advantage over Gragas because Gragas has so much better playmaking than Olaf, right? Like you need to scrap with people, you need create advantages in that way. Um, but they just aren't doing it, and it's it's like I tweeted this out last night, but it's just been so sad to watch TL because when I talked about earlier how. It felt like a kind of like a good loss to watch for for Cloud Nine. I mean, I'm sure Cloud Nine fans don't feel like it was a good loss, but but like for someone who who just likes the league, um, TL is our four time back to back champions. If they're going to be dethroned, I want it to be in this like incredible best of five where I'm like, damn, TL, you were really good, but this other team, they were they even rose better. to your level. Yeah, like they they rose to your level and then they surpassed you. And instead, it's just like TL was up here and then they went like they have just completely imploded and they have looked like garbage. We are we are past week 7 now. It's like roster issues, visa issues, everything aside, you have a veritable all-star team. You have enormous amount of salary and coaching staff and support staff and this huge training facility. They have everything working in their favor as far as those things go. And they kind of suck. Yeah, it's sad. It's really sad to watch. I, like I said, I if, if you know, m m make a bet, I, I would bet them not making playoffs. Yeah. If they don't make playoffs, is that the biggest failure of any team in, in LCS history? Because to me, I, like, I feel like it is. Yeah, it's, I mean... It certainly is the biggest downfall. Four time back to back to back champions to not making playoffs. That's and you just got a, a world finalist added to your team too. Yeah, that that's bigger than the uh, TSM downfall. You know, a couple years ago, not going from you know making finals the entire time to not making playoffs because they literally won every single time with you know the since franchising, right? Yep. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up that exact example. That's the only one that's even close to my mind is when the best bot lane in the West joined TSM or whatever. They still made playoffs, and they, and they lost, lost in, in quarters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is, one, you're falling from a higher peak, and if you don't make playoffs, you fall even further. So it's hands down the worst fall from grace, I guess. All right, let's get into some of the rising stars then. Who will yeah. take Team Liquid's place among the playoff teams? We asked this uh, last week or the week before. EG, baby. <laughs> Mark's joining the team. <laughs> well, I, I put them fourth in my preseason power rankings. And you know, uh, I, I, so he still gets full credit. I you sold know. them. No, I, he didn't choose them. I, I totally last time. backed off them very quickly through like week two. And sold three. them down the river. Yeah. I was like, wow, they look way worse than I thought. They're not the fourth best team. And now that they're tied for fourth, I'm like, yeah. Like I said, <laughs> never doubted them. Right at the beginning. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm about them. I like them. This this is like yeah. what I imagined when I put them forth initially, which was like they're a little crazy. That's fine. You're down with that. Sven, Zazel work well together. Jazuke can pop off. Bang's a safe player. And Kumo's there too. Up. Kumo is a little bit of a question mark, but he's he's <laughs> he's not like a complete detriment to the team that is insta losing you games every game or anything like that. He's not terrible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this team's pretty good. Yeah, the big things I was concerned about last time when we were trying to do this, and I was like, okay, if they can um, play together more cohesively if they can actually get uh, their their game plan on the same page. Then these players are going to be able to make playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that has been the biggest change. Uh, Bang is smiling in his interviews now. I mean, yes, winning does kind of <laughs> cure everything. Cure everything. Um, but they're they're also actually creating plays together. Uh, Jujuke talked about it in his interview as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things that he mentioned why maybe he thought that it took them longer to get to this stage. Um, it was pretty interesting because him coming from EU where he was like, yeah, pretty much all the EU teams are in gaming houses still and all live together. And you yeah. just sit next to someone and you look over and you're like, oh, you want to go solo queue or let's go eat or let's go do that. That was actually something that he mentioned in maybe not bonding as quickly mm. with the teammates. So I found that interesting since there's been this big push in North America for separation and everybody... You know, need stress relief to not be with the same people for their entire lives all day, yeah, work -life every balance. day, right? And work-life balance, and having offices to go to, and going back to your apartment, um, which was is just another interesting perspective on it. I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, it makes sense. You know, if you're especially if you're moving from a completely different country and you have a different background, and and you move here. The more time you spend with people, the quicker you're going to get acclimated, right? You know, that just makes sense. EG has looked really good. And they're also the one that just jumps to mind as far as kind of this grouping of, of teams that I think, you know, could really make a push. I've been very impressed by Jizuke. And as much as he has had some real head scratchers throughout the season, he, I almost want to say, is is the guy out of anyone in the league who feels like he has had some of the most solo carry performances, right? And I'd have to really go through and kind of sanity check that. But at the very least, there's like three or four of their wins that I'm just like, damn, Jizuke, that was you, right? And he's had some games where it's the losses too. But I just think that kind of player is really exciting who is willing to take those huge risks. And when they work out in their favor, they have the skill and, and the ability to actually like, well, just means that they win now, right? That's really fun to watch. If you're saying solo carry performance for any team, I would offer up someday. True. Someday, someday is definitely also up at there. seven and seven. Yep. And and that's that's the other team I was actually going to bring up is as much as EG is the one. <laughs> Marcus loving his yeah. transitions. He's like, want to talk about honey thieves? Uh, as as much as you know, EG is the one that jumps to 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 front of mind. Hundred thieves, four four wins in their last five games. They beat Immortals, Dig, Evil Geniuses, and Golden Guardians. Basically, all the teams that they are competing with. Right, that does bode well. I have not actually dug into the strength of schedule for these, these couple teams because that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm not seeing TSM in there. I'm not seeing uh, Liquid yet. Uh, they have C9, FlyQuest, TSM, and CLG. Okay, so, so FlyQuest, TSM, and C9. They need rough. to win. They can beat CLG pretty, pretty possibly. That's their last game of the season. Yeah, uh, and it feels like to guarantee playoffs. At nine and nine does feel like where the cutoff is going to be ish for this split. Nine nine is definitely not guaranteed, but not yeah. But I feel like with tiebreakers and things, sixth place in playoffs this this season is probably going to be nine and nine. Mm -hmm. um, so if they can steal a win against C nine FlyQuest or TSM, they have a decent chance of, of making playoffs. Yeah, which I think is exciting for that team, right? And and there was a lot of question marks about how good they would be or how long it would take them to get good with with Ryoma. And he popped off on the Zoe game. Mm -hmm. It's his best champ. We've all known it, but oh, that was that the, one play with the double flash. Yeah, the yeah. double flash, and he popped over the wall to make sure he popped back behind it instead of yeah. There was just a lot of really smart stuff in that play. Yeah, de definitely a really good performance. See if he can uh, keep their spot because technically right now they are in. Um, but there's so much competition here. We already w went over the Team Liquid. I think Golden Guardians is another one, even though they are a game behind. Um, there's, a, there's a shot there, right? They've been um, 
pretty good around, especially focusing on Rift-Hailed and Tower Gold early on in the game. Uh, I think this plays a lot off of Closer's strengths, trying to get some of those early gold leads for them. Mm -hmm. um, they have been the lowest dragon percentage of all teams, which isn't necessarily now just like a straight bad indicator, right? Um, it, ca it can be a choice to opt for gold and then just stop the, the soul mm -hmm. since dragons are worth less, which is, I think, an interesting strategy choice now. But... I would just like to see stats almost uh, like dragon percentage and then like amount of souls given up or something. You know what I mean? Like something linked with yeah. that to be like, is that are there actually a correlation there? Because if you're giving up two for free while you take heralds and get gold, but the uh, opponent never gets soul, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And also you could be getting. Sorry to jump in. Yeah. 66% of Drake control, which doesn't sound that high because you're giving up two, but then I get four. Yeah, I, I think soul conversion like would be a cool thing, like to yeah. be able to convert on soul point or something like that, or denial and stuff like. Because like you're saying, if Golden Guardians have the lowest dragon percentage, but they have only given up a, like two souls, like average for most teams or something like that, then it's sure. completely fine. Uh, the thing I was going to get to though was their bottom lane, right? Because they that's obviously coming into the season was the main indicator, and that is a big uh is that heavily tied to dragon control mm -hmm. they switched in who he uh you guys touched on a little bit in their game but even when they were losing who he was finding a lot of these engages that got them those kills when they're super far down and um does have good looks um so that that was reminding me because i actually wanted to talk about that and i'd kind of forgotten it in in the the bustle of the weekend with right. all, like, some of these upsets and whatnot i don't know how you guys feel but i was I'm, tr I'm trying to phrase this way, but basically I just felt frustrated that Keith had been swapped out. And this is not performance-based because Keith was one of the lowest performing uh, supports in the league. I felt frustrated for Keith because coming into this split, as someone who is being role swapped for the team, you know they they release their content showing that, and Keith is even in that kind of like you know what what are your expectations, right? And we had heard a lot. I felt from from Golden Guardians about giving team uh, Keith time to grow, and and you know that they were supporting him and they were behind him and all this stuff. And it's like, what did success actually look like for Keith? Because I felt that he did actually, even though he was still one of the lower supports in the league, I felt I saw improvement throughout this split. I mm -hmm. felt he was getting significantly better from some of the early weeks where he's just like always dead on Tom Kench, like getting caught out solo and all these things. Like he had some pretty good games. He's improving. So it felt like the trajectory was there. So to see him subbed out kind of felt like, in what situation was this going to be a success for him, right? And and that felt bad to me. It's not that I have a problem with who he coming in. I thought who he probably should have been the guy from the start. But then again, that just goes back to like, well, what, what would you, what would have kept Keith in? Yeah, like what what were you doing in the first place if you were never going to keep him in, even if he's improving? Yeah, and it's it's really hard to separate that because. A lot of us thought the same thing at the very beginning. Yeah. Everybody right from the announcement was like, well, you know, what, what, are, what are you doing? Why aren't you putting Huhi in? Yeah. Um, but would, given this, the state of both players right now, and you say even admit that Huhi looked really good coming in, mm -hmm. would you rather have them commit to the earlier choice of your reaction be like, what, what are you doing putting Keith in? Okay, now you got to commit to it. Or... Would you rather have them make the change now and say it's basically like them admitting the mistake of of trying it in the first place? Because, like you're saying, it's very it's kind of ridiculous to ask Keith, okay, 
go swap in. And the only way you're going to stay in is if you instantly become like better than these support main players. Who've been playing for years and years and years. Yeah. Years. Because level. it does feel very unfair to Keith. Yeah. But also they're on the cusp for playoffs. So you want literally every single percentage yeah. increase in your chance to win. So that's why I was trying to be careful about how I word it and saying I felt frustrated for Keith, right? And and kind of at that situation, because I do understand it from the org point of view. If you think who he's better now, then and you and your goal is making playoffs above everything then too bad, Keith, right? We're going with who he, and, I, and that makes sense. But then again, that's just like, well, then you were just trolling from the start and there was no situation in which Keith was going to yeah. be successful here and you never should have swapped him. He should have stayed in Academy, who he should have been your support from the start. And it, it's it's not that I'm really offering a solution. I'm more just frustrated and feel bad because I, I just felt like from the outside looking in, it, it seemed like Keith was making progress. It seemed like he was kind of filling his end of the bargain. And I know in Nero did a sideline interview where he seemed generally like really kind of like a bit torn up about it. You know, he said mm -hmm. this is one of the hardest decisions he had to make because I'm sure they realized that too. But it's just like, damn, that sucks. Well, here's why it bothers me is because there's like this really narrow window for how bad Keith is supposed to be without being too bad. Because if he's too good, which he was, like the problem with Keith is actually he didn't perform bad enough to keep his job. Because if they weren't in the hunt for playoffs, I'm serious. If this is the argument that like, oh man, we thought we weren't going to be a playoff bound team with Keith in spring and then we would be in summer. And then Keith is like, hey guys, I'm improving. I helped take down Liquid. I'm putting us in a position to make a playoff push. And then they're like, ah, you did. But who he's better right now. <laughs> so you're going to get benched for him so that we can actually make the playoff push. That's a really funny way to look at it. I see your point, but it's a really funny way to it, look it at it. It sounds kind of weird to say like, if you were a little bit worse and we were at or five and nine or cut completely, right, potentially, right? But then it's like, what was the, to this point? What yeah. is the success case yeah. other than I'm so good that we're definitely you're randomly core JJ your first split? Yeah, right? uh, we need to be a positive win rate team with me in support, and I'm outperforming other people. If yeah. that's the success metric, that wasn't I could have told you that. I mean, th happen. they have a better record than TL. Compare yeah. compare those two, or, or they do right. Is there, no, they're supposed oh, to excuse me. Uh, yeah, I was thinking head. they were seven seven. They have the head to head, so they are tied. But just even the fact that they are tied, like that's shocking. Even just pretend Keith is Core JJ and compare teammates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay, you're now Core JJ. These are your four teammates. Go out there and and see what you can do. And Keith's like, all right, I did it. Yeah, I tied him. And this is all from the like the Keith perspective because yeah. if your teammates are like, we want to make a playoff push, or yeah, you know, who knows what's going on? Maybe scrims went really bad. So maybe I, maybe Keith had a mental breakdown I, or something. I understand like, it big picture. It's yeah. just more of like a it's one a of frustrated brand. When you took it, take a look at it from Keith's perspective. It's like, wait, because I did well enough to keep like I wasn't so bad that we're still in the playoff hunt. Now I get benched because I wasn't that bad. Like. If I, I would have gotten more stage time if I was worse. That's how it feels to me. It's so, All right. so ridiculous. We're going to have a uh, Keith support group after this because we only have five minutes left uh, since there's a hard cutoff today. Uh oh, We're yeah. going to get right into Twitter questions. I know your laptop is off. I got. We have. Do you want okay. me to read this one? Go ahead. Okay. So this is one that got a lot of interaction on, on Twitter. It says, do you guys think TL dropping Smithy uh, excuse me, by TL dropping Smithy, they made the same mistake in TSM dropping Doublelift. And you actually responded to this, but it got a lot of interaction, so I wanted to bring it up again. And, you know, you said this on Twitter, but yeah, this is something I, I brought up right when I first heard the move. 
And it wasn't that it's supposed to be a one-to-one comparison. It was that I immediately got the same feeling when I when I saw, all right, most successful team in the league, TSM, dropping double lift, you know, for greater international success with Zven and Mithy, right? And I'm like, okay, I understood the thought process there. Didn't work. TSM went way downhill. TL, four-time back-to-back-to-back champions, blah, 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 MSI finals. All right, time to get rid of Xmithy for greater success. We already run North America. That's great. We want to win Worlds. We're going to get Broxa. And it just was like, damn, this feels the same. I had this big case of kind of deja vu, and we talked about it then. And yes, there are all these extra circumstances, the visa issues and, and lack of motivation, and there's all these other things. So it's never going to be a perfect comparison, but damn if it doesn't feel the same and damn if it doesn't look the same. And there's always going to be that pressure. If you're a team that's winning this much and really that much and you decide to make a change, Mm -hmm. it is always going to be very risky because by you simply deciding to make a change, you're giving up one of the top players in the league because you're you're this dominant team. You're running it so hard. Mm -hmm. Anyone that you give up on your team to a competitor is going to be a very strong asset for that competitor. And that's why when the announcement came out, we were also like, man, I, like maybe if they had gone super hard and, and the announcement was like, we're getting Clid who just popped off at Worlds or something like that, then you can, be, you can have maybe a sigh of relief with it or something like that. But I mean, this is LCS. We know drama. Another uh, round I, of top team trades away important piece and then has crazy downfall. I'm all about teams trying to get to the next level, though. I like it, especially after four times mm-hmm. a, a champions. They only had one international success, which was MSI. Yep. Their other MSI, they didn't get out of groups. They didn't get out of groups in the other two worlds. So, like, yeah, make a change. And I think it is different enough from the TSM situation because of all the external factors that happened uh, with the Visa situation and stuff like that, that I'm not ready to call it a complete failure for the entirety of the year. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Spring splits a mess. I think they should be better, even be with the problems that they've had. It should be better, and it might be boomed. But I want to see what happens if they don't make playoffs. I want to see what happens in summer before I write this team off completely. It's still just yeah. so crazy though. And looking mm-hmm. at it again from the point of view of Xmithy, who has now two owed his old team, <laughs> and again compare the rest of the roster alongside him. You know that he that he's working with now. No one would think that would happen. That has got to feel so good for Xmithy. You know what's even crazier? They gave up their positional coach, Poe Belter, who was going to sub in as Jungle. <laughs> and he beat and him Poe too. Belter beat them too. It, you got to be looking there at Team Liquid and be like, oh, man. Talent. Get, get a break. Liquidation machine. Nice. He, Nailed it. Well, we'll make it. Yeah, do you have some good Twitter questions there? I'm trying to scroll through. Wait, uh, we can do a real quick one. We have now two minutes left. Okay. S N E S. Chalmers, 34, uh, asks, is there anything that can be done for red side bands? They have to give away Orn and pick set, or uh, they are hard stuck banning Orn, set, and Senna, and feels like they have zero room because of how powerful first pick blue side is. Sometimes things like this do emerge in metas. Uh, it's always a you know a controversy for a red side. does feel bad when uh, this amount of power picks emerge that you feel like you have to permaban. There's always a trade-off, of course. Red side does get a hard counter pick. You have last pick for sure that you get to save. So it depends on the champions that are in the meta for how flexible they are. I will say, very happy to see Orn on the uh, nerf, nerf list, list for 10, 
uh, 10-5. Yes, that's getting hit as well. Um, but I think you can do clever things in draft, like do, setting up trades where they get the first pick choice, but then you usually get the other power pick. Mm. We've seen people do Aphelios for set and stuff like that. Um, set for Orans have happened at times. Blue side does have the ability to, when they see this coming at them, to ban out one potentially, and then you have to ban the last one. But by forcing that, if there's four, by forcing them to ban one with their last ban, you then ban out the other one, and then all four are gone. Uh, also famously, FlyQuest, when there was the Rengar LeBlanc Camille? There was a, there was a period of time where there was like super OP like ones. didn't ban any of it. Yeah, they just didn't ban any of it, and they just like made an insanely volatile game, and mm-hmm. then they outplayed people in it. So like, th- you do have choices on red side. I understand it's m- uh, the more difficult position to be in, but you just got to be more creative. The Zix for CLG was always super famous for letting through super OP stuff, and CLG had a reputation for <laughs> then losing to the super OP stuff, but like coming yeah, up with plan. counters, yeah, like casted and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they play nidalee into it. Yeah. The the last little bit I would give is that I I think that this is true of a lot of regions in the world. Um, but when I watch LPL, uh, you know, in the past when Blue Side was even considered like super mega OP and always had a way bigger win rate in EU, NA, Korea, uh, LPL still had a higher red side win rate because the LPL they are willing to take more volatile, more aggressive lane counter picks on red side and you know I, I think your point is is the best one where it's like red side is about these counter picks red side is about slamming lane that's like that's your advantage they get the op but you get to see what you're playing against and pick the thing that slams the op right and oftentimes we fail to do that i mean look at two examples this past weekend last pick shen or whatever into the set that is a losing lane zach. and last pick zach <laughs> in, into renekton that is a hard losing lane right you know what what if they pick the Orin and you now take this new like Fiora that has even better items on on 10.5 and things like this, right? Like those are the kind of impact picks you want to see where it's like you get slammed because you blind pick something. And if something has nothing that beats it blind pick, then yeah. That's why I said this really frustrating thing comes in when things are so OP that there is no, you know, big lane yeah. counter pick. And oftentimes a lot of lane counter picks do come at a very high barrier of execution. Then you just uh, got to be the shy. What's exactly. The problem? So, yeah, there you go. Uh, just the shy advice. That's going to do it. We have zero seconds left on this episode. Thank you Bye. for us for week eight. Tune into the LCS, 1.30 on Saturday. A boom. Finger stabs. Started blasting. Then- <laughs> Anyways, I start blasting. <laughs>